as time goes on, we'll see if, if this summer and your time here was something well spent that affected you, your relationships, your relationship with God in a positive way or go the other way. There are many young people that go through this place, many. Some of them, their lives are changed completely for the better, and some, it didn't seem to matter that they were here. There, there, isn't, a, there isn't a one place, one time deal that happens in your life. If you're waiting for that, it's not gonna happen. It's not like when I started playing football that I could go and say, I'm gonna lift this weight once, boom, beach muscles. That, that's not how that works. You gotta lift them, it's a process, it's years. When you start a sport in college, you start usually as a freshman, and you usually don't start until later. It's not that you weren't a great athlete. It's not that you don't do things well. It's that there's a process that you're involved in, and this is part of it, and this is part of it, and this is part of it. I recently heard a, a, a story about how important it is to understand that you're really a frog in a boiling pot. You know, you've heard the story, you boil a pot of water, throw a frog in, they hop out. Put them in nice warm water, they sit there, and then turn it on so it boils slowly, they die. All of you have come from a boiling pot of some sort. There, there's a normal environment you've lived in. There's, there's a way that you get accustomed to. This summer, hopefully, you'll be able to see if the water is going to a boil or not. Because most of the time what we do is we try and defend the way that we already are. That's what we do. We try and defend that. Rather than challenging the way that we are, we try and defend the way that we are. It's always good for somebody that's not in the pot that you're in to tell you the water's hot. So that you can start to prepare to do something differently so you don't boil to death. I hope throughout the summer you see that as some of the older guys share with you and people get up and share that aren't in your pot. You know, that you can look at them and say, yeah, they, yeah, they might have hit something right on the head, and I don't think I appreciate what they said, but they're not in my boiling pot. And instead of being defensive, you look at it and say, I think I'll evaluate that because I don't want to boil to death, and they told me I might. The word hope is up on the screen because your generation right now, there's none. Think about the lack of hope for those that are Christless at this point. What are they hoping? Are we hoping in the, the government? Is that where we place our hope? Do we, do we put our hope after this year, do we put our hope in health care? We're convinced that they're going to be the, the savior of how we live? How about the economy? Should we put our hope in the economy? How about in our family status? We, we put our hope in the fact that my parents have money and we're comfortable. Or how about hope in my identity? I'm a football player, soccer, whatever, whatever you do, however you... You know, it's like if you're, uh, it matters what you put your hope in. If you're a rock climber and the rope you're using is all frazzled, and the anchor points are, you've got a dead bush up on top. Oh, don't worry, I got that tied to that bush, we got this rope. Really, you shouldn't be hoping in that rope. And you shouldn't be hoping in that bush. 
And the word hope there is different than the hope of a rock climber who has a secure anchor point and a secure, solid rope. It's a different idea. So two people can use the word hope differently. Yeah, you can put your hope in that rope, you know, because it's not going to give. You can put that hope in your rope because you better hope that the rope doesn't break. The world that you live in right now, the world that you guys are going to be in charge of in the near distant future, they don't have hope. When you don't have hope, what happens to your brain? It kicks out and goes into neutral. Here's what happens to a society that's hopeless. All of a sudden, people start saying, well, there's no hope in the future. There's no hope in the economy. There's no hope. They look, you know, no hope there. So what I have to do is take care of feeling good right now about whatever I'm in. And they start focusing on the moment feeling good now because the hope is gone. You know, it's, uh, it's t- going to tell you about shooting baskets. You know, he likes basketball and he wants to play again. If there was no hope, Teddy, for you to ever play again, you'd be acting differently. But there's hope. So you act in accordance with the hope. And you better make sure your hope is in the right area. That's why we search for truth and try and find it, because that's the only thing worthy of putting hope in. Truth. Not errors, not what everybody thinks. I wrote this little thing on truth. I just want to read it to you. It says, truth does not need your approval. Truth doesn't depend on your feelings. Truth isn't limited by circumstances. Truth doesn't require your understanding. Truth doesn't require a demonstration or validation. Truth doesn't need eloquence to defend it. Truth doesn't need a majority to believe in it. Truth is not complicated. Truth is the same for all. Truth is ready Available, yet exclusive. Truth doesn't manipulate or capitulate. It it doesn't tolerate. Truth is the way it was and is and always will be. Truth humbles the proud. Truth exposes the wicked. It upholds the righteous and gives hope to the hopeless. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the truth. You know how thrilling it is to stand before you and know, myself to know that my sins are forgiven, that I am in God's family, that I am cherished by God. That's truth. No matter what happens in the rest of the world, that's truth. It's interesting, uh, Monday we'll be doing a, a funeral for Cardman. Many of you know who he was as he worked up here for years. As people have died around me this year, I've been able to talk to him a little bit and, and talk to him about the fact that soon, this life, they're not going to be here anymore. They're going to be in the next one. I've asked him, while you're there, look up. My dad, my mom. Look up the people that went before me. They had them for me. If God hasn't told them what's going on, I don't know what goes on up there. Tell them what's going on. You see, the truth allows me to talk to somebody who's dying truthfully. 
Not without hope, by the way. But truthfully, with hope about what's coming in the future. Because something's coming. I can't imagine, once again, Lynn and I, as we talk with Lynn and his, his wife, we're like, can you imagine going through this without hope? Can you imagine if his last breath on this earth was his last breath? That you never see again this person that God didn't fix everything. So in eternity, we're not going to experience that separation from sin stuff. Can you imagine living that way? How desperate, how hopeless it would be. This year's theme is search and I really hope that while you're here, you realize that you search for the truth. And I want to talk about what that looks like. 2 Corinthians 1.12. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in a world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, not by great, but, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. I love this verse as it talks about the idea of living in a way that demonstrates simplicity and godly sincerity. Simplicity. Micah, God loves you. Pretty simple. Right? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to act like God loves Micah. That's pretty simple. I don't, that's not even complicated. How many here believe God loves you? How many believe that? Then I would say act like it. That's not hard. Now, if you don't act like it, then I'm wondering, do you know him and do you believe it? That's a question you have to answer. But if you actually believe that God loves you, then you should act as if God loves you. If you really think sin is harmful, then you need to act like sin is harmful. If you really think evil is evil, then you act, don't get entertained by it. Don't let it in your head. You see, what, what's happening is that we've moved away from the simplicity of the truth. The truth is real simple. I can use Micah again as an example. I have to understand that Micah has value to God. I need to live in that context. I need to make sure that when I communicate him, he understands that he's loved and wanted. Really, that's all I got to do. That's not that hard. When you look at it, we're... We see that the Apostle Paul is trying to say, you know what, you're, you need to behave in this world in a way where people can see the truth demonstrated to others. Because that's where the hope begins. When somebody who's young hears of what's right and then they see it, they, they begin to have hope of their own. Because they saw that it's true. And once you see truth living out, you... Camp is a marvelous place for this, whether it be you demonstrating that to each other, you demonstrating that to some high school workers, you demonstrating that to campers, you demonstrating that to parents, you demonstrating that to people around the lake, you demonstrating the fact that this love that we have is real, that God is real, that it changes our lives in a real way. It's simple. You know, we're, uh, we're good manipulators. But we can't manipulate God. In, in our lives, so many times, we, we have learned, and we don't even know it sometimes, how good we can manipulate people. We manipulate them in different ways. And, and we do that because we really kind of want the world to revolve around us. And you do know that the world doesn't revolve around us. 
You know, Cardin died last week, and the sun has come up every day since he's died. People have gone and had coffee. He used to like having coffee with people here, and people have gone and had coffee every day since he died. Cardin wasn't necessary for the sun to come up and people to have coffee. Was he valued by the people? Yes. Was he valued by God? Yes. And he was greeted by God. See, the truth is where the hope is. The, every single person in this room is going to experience what Lynn has experienced. Not maybe in that relationship, not, but, but with people, separation, death. This life does not offer permanent anything. And when you try and get it to be permanent, you're going to be frustrated because it doesn't offer it. God is not going to be manipulated by us. We can't come and say, well, God, you've you got to understand why I sinned. God's going, try me. I, I'm not understanding why you sinned. I know that you're sinful. But don't come to me and try and manipulate what the truth is so that you can live your self-centered life. Majority rule doesn't apply with God. When you look at the truth in our nation, especially, we get into this mind frame that majority rule rules. Well, it does in whether you put a stop sign on the street or not. It might do that according to speed limits and things that actually don't matter. But with God, majority rule doesn't rule. You're either right or wrong. And a majority of people either agree with God or they don't agree with God. If they don't agree with God, then a majority of the people are just wrong. And you know how hard that is for our culture I just said something to you that in our culture is not really acceptable. Calling people wrong. Sophisticated weapons don't scare God. Remember that. He's not afraid of the power of the United States or anybody else or any government. That doesn't matter to him. Remember Nebuchadnezzar. Remember Daniel when he prayed. These people thought they had power and authority. They didn't. Settling for an appearance of truth is really not loving the truth. Sometimes we get our religiosity up and we kind of act a certain way. And we do that because we're, we, you know, we know the truth. For example, earlier I asked you if God loved you. You would probably, everybody in this room would probably say, yes, the truth is that God loves me. Okay, that's fine. Just knowing that, does, is that all you need to do? Just have that in your head? That actually should live out in your life somehow. You know, again, the, the, the illustration that gets so old, but being married means that I act married every day, all the time, all, you know, whatever. Because the relationship affects everything about my life. My relationship with God, the fact that God loves me, affects everything in my life. Settling for the appearance of it is terrible. If I just wanted to make an appearance, if I just wanted to appear to you married and happy, that would be a miserable situation at home. But, but I could appear that way to you. Do you know how difficult it is to put on an act like that forever? It's difficult, too, to act as if we love God. Let me look real quickly. This is what Paul told young Timothy. And, and obviously he was concerned that Timothy be able to carry on with the truth Paul was leaving. Timothy, understand this. Please understand this. He said, but understand this. Oh, that's how it starts. That in the last days, hmm, the last days, there will come times of difficulty. 
I'm not going to try and pull anything out of Greek or anything. This is what it says. In the last days, it's going to get tough. Why? Because people will be lovers of self. I'm sorry, it doesn't work if you love yourself. You, You can't be somebody who has the world revolve around you because the world in truth and in reality doesn't revolve around you. So if you keep trying to make it that way, it doesn't work. And that's where we're at. Look, look, look at our culture, what's going on in our culture. We're, we're trying to have everybody right in their own eyes. Why? We want the world to be revolving around you. Well, all we're going to do is make ourselves miserable because that can't be. There is a right. And it isn't about what I want necessarily. It's about what's right. He says, understand difficult times will come because people will be lovers of self. I want you all summer to think about, am I a lover of self? Do, do, do I really manipulate truth and people so that everything revolves around me? Am I so concerned about me that I can't die to myself and help those around me? Because if so, this is the problem in the last days and any time in history. We've become lovers of self. People become lovers of self, lovers of money. There are actually people out there who just work for money. Say, so what should we work for? You can work every day. Some of you might end up working on the mission field, not making anything. Some of you might make way too much money. That isn't the issue. You work where God puts you in life, and you get up every day and work. But there'll come a time where people only work, again, for something they get out of it, like money. Because they're really about them. See, it started with the real problem. They're about them. So it's only about money. They'll be proud, they'll be arrogant, they'll be abusive. I think all of you, we go through the room if we want to and have stories of you growing up where this was against you, possibly. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Ungrateful is, is a great word to say, entitled. An entitled society is not going to be a healthy society, I'm sorry. Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Why? Because what happens is the people, the environment you surround yourself with will start to affect you. And if the people around you fit this description, if these are your influencers in life, you're going to struggle. What will cause you to look back on your life with satisfaction? At my age, I can ask you that. When you get to be my age, what will you want to look back on and say, boy, life was good, satisfying? That's a real hard study to get to, by the way, because... Every time um, studies have been done, there are these little snapshots and they don't get a whole big view. However, there's one study that's kind of a unique study. It's out of Harvard. And believe it or not, they did a study, 75 years, they tracked over 700 men. They took 700 some men and they tracked them from when the time when they were in, uh, young kids to the time now where some of them are in their 90s. Two groups, one group were, were, I think, sophomores, or I can't remember what year, at Harvard. And the other group were inner city ghetto kids from Boston. And they've been tracking them 
for 75 years. It's the only study like that ever. Secular study, not a Christian study, very, very significant when it comes to statistics because of the way that it's been conducted and now it's in its third generation director of it. They still stun questionnaires out every other year. When they do to the guys who grew up in Boston, they, they keep sending them back saying, I don't know why you keep asking me. <laughs> the Harvard guys never asked that, but the, the guys from Boston do. It's interesting. You know what they concluded for every single one of those guys that said life was satisfying? Here's how he summed it up. Good relationships keep us happy and healthy. What do you think the Bible says? God was asked, what, what's important? Love the Lord your God. Love each other. All right, what else? That's it. Do you know this summer you get the opportunity to look at every person that comes on these grounds and to show them who God is? That's important because you need to, number one, I'm going to ask you to do three things this summer. If you're going to live a life of hope and you're going to die with no regrets, there's three things you got to do. One, position yourself to be a follower. You, you have to decide that you're going to follow God and those who went before you who are walking with God. That's the pattern. Second Timothy 3.10. You, however, talking to Timothy, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. The Apostle Paul is looking at young Timothy saying, you know, you're different than the rest of the people. You wanted to know the truth and you actually positioned yourself so that you could see something and follow it. You know, if you want to have a good marriage, I'm telling you, you young guys, and go look at somebody that's older than you that has one and go follow them. You want to know how to love God? Look at some, some older person that basically is saying, man, I love God. I want to be, go, go, go follow what they're doing. See what they're doing. God made us to be followers, by the way. That's why peer pressure is so powerful. We're like sheep. Sheep are followers. The, the one, one of the characteristics of people is that we follow be careful who you follow. Choose who you follow. Do not follow Hollywood. Do not follow people who don't know Jesus. Don't do that. First and foremost, you follow Christ. You follow God. You, you listen to what he says. That's what loving God is all about. Then pick somebody that's older. You know, as an older guy, I tell you, I'm not going to intrude into your life until you come and say, I want to intrude you to intrude into my life. When you do that, I'll do it. I, because other than that, you've all heard older people that come to you and it becomes a lecture. You're just waiting for them to be quiet so you can go on to your life. Honestly, you should have older people in your life. You should have three people in your life. You should have older people that you can meet with, that can mentor you, that can help you, that can tell you you're in a boiling pot. And get out. People you trust. And, and it could be outside your family. Your, your family is going to be a part of this and to a certain degree, but at your age you find other mentors as well. He said, you however followed, and, and this is what made Timothy so special as far as taking the leadership reins down the road. 
Position yourself to be a follower. Second thing, position yourself to be a lifetime follower. I know that sounds the same. But it isn't. It's the idea that I'm going to follow, I'm going to keep following, I'm going to keep following. No matter what the circumstances are, I've chosen to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what the circumstances in this life are. See that? That's different than I'm following him today because everything's cool. God takes care of me. So I'm following today because it's the easiest and best thing today. Second Timothy 3, 4, but you, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing whom you've learned it. Can you imagine? To me, that almost sounds arrogant. It almost does. Paul's saying, look, you continue. The, what, you've seen me live. You continue to walk as I've showed you. You know, that's a tremendous challenge. I want each of you, and you get to be my age, I want each of you to be able to look at people and say, you continue to walk as I walk, and you'll be okay, because I'm going to stand before God and give an answer for that. The older guys in the room, and there's a few, that's our challenge, is to be able to stand before God and to live our lives in a way where you see Christianity displayed. And then to challenge you, follow me. I challenge you to follow. First, follow God. Then, decide to be a lifetime follower. The third thing, position yourself to teach. Be willing to be followed. When you're my age, you need to look back on your life and say, all these people position themselves to follow me, and I followed God. And the Bible tells us that if you cause a little one to stumble, it would be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and you throw into an abyss. See, Here's the cool part. Because I'm going to be held accountable to Almighty God. If you choose to follow me, I need to make sure you're following him. That's how it works. I promise you this. If somebody is making sure you're following God, you're not going to get abused by him, manipulated by him, or hurt by him. Oh, they might tell you you're in a pot of water that's about to boil. You may not always like him or her, but you're, you're not going to hurt by him. I am not saying the people that you position yourself to learn from are, are infallible. This is not what we teach. They're extremely fallible, and at any given moment can be total idiots. But the point is to learn how to go through life by observing that it works. And the children that come up here, the eight-year-olds that come up here in a couple weeks, you get a chance to demonstrate to them that it's real. I don't know how many of you still remember your camp counselors from when you were a kid, but most likely they had an impact on you for a week, hopefully. They made you understand how important you were to God and that you were important to them for that week. And you responded to them because of that. See, you were demonstrating to them. Every kid that comes through there, every worker that comes through, you get the chance to demonstrate what Christianity is about. The goal is not to be different. Please don't hear me say that. I, I, I don't care that you're different. 
The goal should be to embrace truth, which will make you different. So I'm not here saying you just need to be different. No, you need to know the truth and embrace it, and that alone will make you different. But don't just try and be different. Trying to be different is a religious way of, of coming to God. Just love the truth and love God, and you will be different. Embrace the truth. Embrace the idea of being different. You have to be okay with being different. I remember I was sitting at a table once, and guys were joking about how tough marriage was, and I just piped up and said, I love my marriage. I, I don't think it's tough at all. And they just got dead silent, like we just got rebuked. I wasn't rebuking anyone. I just said, I, I, I actually like my wife. You see, when you embrace the truth, you're going to be different. But you don't want to just be different. Embrace the truth. This summer, I hope that uh, every young person that comes up here finds what they're searching for. A lot of them may not even know what they're searching for at this point. The uh, hospital in uh, Colorado has... Children's Hospital has said that it's a, they're in a status of emergency right now because of the amount of suicides children are committing right now. I start off talking about hope. That's when you lose hope. Nothing to live for. No reason to be here. Boy, you don't know the truth if you believe that. You, you don't know the truth. If any of you believe that, you need to talk with someone who knows the truth. I mean, really knows it, not just will try and psychology you out of it, but somebody who knows the truth. If you were to come to me and you say, I'm just disappointed in God, my first line to you, and it's not a line, it's what I believe would be, you don't know him. Would you please get to know him, please? Because if you know him, you won't be disappointed in him. All you've done by telling me that is that you don't know who God is. You say, well, that seems like a very simple solution. It is. And Satan would keep you from that with everything he's got. He doesn't want you to know God. Our motto is to know Christ. And then what? to make them known. It's your job this summer. Number one, don't skip the first one, to know Christ. You need to know him. Number two, everyone that comes here needs to see who Christ is by how you treat them. What would happen if all of you got in the habit of doing it this summer and then carried it into life? I think that there's a lot of hopelessness in the world but in those hopeless situations, God seemed to raise Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and guys like Joseph. And maybe one of you are them. Why not? God isn't looking for the most talented, the most... He's looking for those who love him and will follow him and live the truth. Do you know what's really cool? Everyone in here can do that. You can live the truth. Doesn't matter your talent, your ability, doesn't matter. It, you can do this. Everyone here can do this. And in the end, your life is satisfying. You have hope. You've told people where they can find the answer to the search. And we'll be doing that all summer. So join in at all the levels. 
Join in at showing, join in at following, join in at knowing God. Don't be passive. Don't just let the summer go by and say, we'll get to this, we'll get to it. Don't do that. Relationships take some work. So let's get on it and know that 20 years from now, I hope one of you are up here giving this challenge to another group of people your age for the whatever is in the world at that moment. Because we don't know. I do know this, the truth doesn't change. Whatever happens in the rest of the world, I'm a child of the king. Deal with that. And if you take me out of this life, you've done nothing but start my next one. Either way, I win. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? For me to live is Christ. To die, I win. Either way, you can't hurt me. Boy, that's somebody who knows truth. If you're struggling, get back to the truth area and let the truth have its work in you. You'll see. Let me pray again. Father, again, thank you that we could share these moments this morning. I pray that this group will be a very special group used to be this summer to demonstrate your love to everyone who walks on these grounds, to demonstrate your faithfulness to everyone who knows you already and is wavering, to demonstrate in reality what it looks like to walk with you and love you, to know you and make you known. Please keep us safe. Keep us COVID-free. Keep us free from distraction and, and horizontal energy that is just a waste of time. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your, your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for each individual in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.